In Matthew 4.19, Jesus says, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Join us in this conversation as we discuss following Jesus, leadership, and doing life with others. Welcome to the 419 Disciple Makers Podcast. Hello and welcome to this episode of 419 Disciple Makers. We are so glad to be with you today. And I have a special guest with me, Jason Zimke. Hey, Jason. How are you, Matt? Good. So so glad to have you on today to talk with us. Hey, if um, you don't remember, Jason has been on our podcast before, and I would love for you to go back and listen to that episode if you have not already. But in June uh, 10th, to 2019, he was one of our first guests on the podcast. He talked to us about discerning God's will, and he also shares his story. So it's a wonderful to go back and hear about Jason and his life. He is a husband, a father. He is in the ordination process. Um, in the United Methodist Church. We are so glad to have Jason with us at Mount Pisgah. And most of all, he's a disciple maker and really really passionately cares about uh, helping others know Jesus and grow in their faith and their walk to make others disciples of Jesus. So Jason, thank you for being with us today. Thank you. Thank you. I'm looking forward to our time together today. Yes. And I asked Jason to come on with us because Jason... um, is such a good Bible teacher. He's been for me and for many others. And I wanted him to come because sometimes the Bible can be intimidating for us. Um, It is big and it is complicated. There's context, there's history, there's all kinds of stuff to try to understand. And leaders can sometimes feel like they're not a scholar or they're not capable of teaching it or they don't know all the answers. So they sort of shy away from it. But Jason, I would love for you to sort of tell us about the why. Why is the Bible such an important tool of transformation in our lives, and why do we need to to study it and keep it such an important part of our disciple making process? Sure, sure. Well, I think you know two reasons for me. Um, the first one, I, I think, is Second uh, Timothy three sixteen, when uh, Paul talks there about uh, that Scripture is God breathed, right, and it's useful for teaching and correcting and rebuking and training in righteousness and all those good things. But I go back to that God-breathed peace, right? I mean, that God's breath brought life to creation at the very beginning when you think about the book of Genesis. And God's breath continues to do that and brings us life in and through his word. And so first and foremost, I look at scripture for me is one of those things where every time I'm in scripture, every time that I have an opportunity to share in God's word, I just feel this breath of life from God uh, just welling up within me, right? And so that's kind of how God meets me right where I am uh, in whatever the situation or circumstance, age, stage, whatever you want to call it, that the God is always meeting us kind of right where we are as we dive into his word. And from season to season of life, even, we can go through the same passage, maybe from one year to the next. And because we're at different seasons of life, it may speak to us in a different way. And that's one of the things that I just love about Scripture is that God is always able to speak to us and kind of breathe life into us. Uh, The second thing I think for me really is, is we think about disciple making and we think about Jesus's model in terms of what he did. Well, if we want to live out that great great commission of Jesus in Matthew 28 to to go and to make disciples of all the nations. Well, if I don't understand what it is that Jesus did, how am I going to live into that command? How am I going to understand how Jesus loved and served and taught and discipled and did all of these things if I don't take myself back to Scripture and say, well, what did Jesus do? Or how did Jesus begin his ministry? Or how did Jesus call his first disciples? Or what did that look like for him? How did he 
train them? How did he educate them? What was his life like with those 12 men over the course of his ministry? And then how can that help inform me as a disciple maker in groups of men that I'm involved with? And then what does that mean for us as a group as we begin to learn and to discuss and to talk about Jesus's method of transforming the world by making disciples? Wow, that's super comforting in two ways. Um, in that he d- it does speak to us personally, right? That you're sa- you said that there's something specific for us in, in our in our just daily life, yes. um, and in that fact that you're right, the he's our model. So studying his methods, studying his his the way he lived, studying the way he interacted with people is such um, a key part of of inspiration and understanding for us uh, as we try to uh, be image bearers and uh, mm-hmm. true Christ like in our lives. That's really good. Yeah. 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 So, so Jason, how do we approach the Bible as leaders? I mean, and not to be intimidated by it all. Yeah. You know, and, and I hear that a lot from folks, right? I don't know where to begin. I don't know what to do. It seems overwhelming. Um, a couple of things, I guess, as, as I think about it for me, right? I mean, if there's a passion that you have, let's just say I, I've, when I've taught uh, Bible before with folks and you sit down and people say, oh man, I, I really love geography. I, I love to understand what's going on. Okay, well, incorporate that somehow into your study. If you're reading about Jesus being up by the Sea of Galilee, well then take that passion that you have and then go investigate that and say, okay, well, where, where's the Sea of Galilee? What does that look like? What does it mean for him to be up on around the Sea of Galilee? I mean, pull those kind of things in or or even if you love history, you know, I know a lot of people that love history. As you go through the Bible, there's a lot of different things get that get pulled out, names that get mentioned. Use that as a way to say, oh man, so I wonder who that person is. I'd love to investigate who that is. Let some of those other passions that you have maybe help you as you go through and, and study uh, the Bible. Um, but I would say the other thing for me really, I think is keep it simple. Don't overwhelm yourself. Let me give you an example. Uh, I knew a guy uh, in a group that a second group that I was involved in, and he was kind of the same way. Um, he'd read the Bible. He kind of understood the Bible. He felt like, I just don't know enough. And so he and I sat down and we were talking one day and I was trying to explain to him, hey, you know, just find some way to get started. And he was always fascinated by uh, Matthew's uh, Matthew chapter five through seven, the Sermon on the Mount, right? And he said, I think I want to spend time there. And, and rather than saying, oh, I'm going to read five today and six tomorrow and seven the next day, he said, I'm just going to start with a small chunk of Matthew chapter five. And he just picked a couple of verses and said, I'm really going to sit in that and work my way through that and just just kind of marinate in it, so to speak, right? So he, he tried to start off small. He picked a small section, something that was of interest to him, something that he wanted to know more about. He'd heard about this Sermon on the Mount. Well, what even is the Sermon on the Mount? He didn't really fully understand. And I don't remember what his total time was. I think it was like 30 or 45 days that he spent going through those few chapters in the book of Matthew. And that got him on this love of now wanting to say, okay, well, then what's next for me after this? Um, and he may have gone back and started like at the beginning of Matthew. I can't remember where but uh, or what he did, but keep it simple. Start small. Don't Don't overwhelm yourself and go, oh my gosh, there's just so much here. Where do I begin? You know, if you don't want to begin in the book of Genesis, don't start there. Then then start in a gospel somewhere. Or, or if you're fascinated maybe by who Paul is as an author, well then maybe begin with one of his letters or something like that. So 
you know, try to bring in maybe some passions that you have, but then also try to keep it simple. Don't let yourself get overwhelmed. Start somewhere rather than just saying, this is too big. I just can't start anywhere. That is very wise. And I don't think I've actually heard it linked to your passions before. And I really love that because you're right. Some people love history and some people like to study, you know, the different characters or some people yeah. might, you know, yeah. just want, like you said, they've heard this this one book. And so they just want to figure out what's happening in this one book, right? Or they, you know, maybe they just want to, they the, the Psalms, they want to be inspired or comforted or go into yeah. their emotions, right? Right. <laughs> so, that's that's very wise, and it it makes it feel almost inviting versus like I have to master something, <laughs> you know. Like I'm just going to go spend some time in this area of the Bible right now. Um, yeah, most definitely, you know, you said Psalms, uh, 150 Psalms, right? Uh, if you went through those things twice, you've almost covered an entire year. Um, you know, or I've I've done the Book of Proverbs. There's 31 chapters. I've done that to start the beginning of every year and there's 31 days in january 31 chapters of proverbs all right i don't have to read the full chapter i'll pick out just a couple of you know there's just so many different ways i think that we can look at it just yeah don't don't let it be overwhelming to you um but the passion thing i think is really big because i think people have passions for all these other things and how do you how do you use that to help you dive into the bible and, and really dig into what the bible's trying to say to us Right, right. Well, that's very good. So tell me about this inductive method of study. I hear people talk about it. It's it's out there. It's pretty popular. Can you right. walk us through that? Yeah, and, and I'll try to keep it high level because I know we did uh, a video uh, several years back. It's it's listed on the, the 419 website. Um, if I remember right, I think it's like eight or nine minutes long. Uh, I actually have a passage in there that I read is just kind of an example. So I would encourage people to go watch that because you'll get a little bit more in depth, but at a very high level, uh, the inductive method really kind of kind of has three main elements to it, right? There's an observation element to it, uh, there's an interpretation element to it, and then there's an application element to it. And so from an observation standpoint, I always tell people um, reading the Bible is one thing. You can read through a particular passage, but don't just read it once. Read it multiple times. Um, when it's a passage that you know really well, sometimes we can skip over some things because, oh, I've heard that before, I've read that before. But when you read it multiple times, you start to pick up on some things and, and don't try to rush through the reading. Um, my favorite, though, in the reading part is reading it out loud. There's something to be said about reading scripture out loud because now you're hearing it with your ears, your brain's trying to understand what it is you're reading. And it's like multiple things are going on, and sometimes you pick up things and go, "I've never, I've never heard that before, right?" And so, observation: read, read, read. Um, keywords: looking for keywords. You know, people have heard things like the therefores, right? Wherever there's therefores in the Bible, you always want to pay attention. Or if you see an if-then kind of statement, well, if this, then that. You know, pay attention to those kind of things. Uh, and my favorite part about observation is asking questions, right? And just ask questions. Ask the questions that you probably can't even answer in a million years, right? But ask the question because sometimes those questions, although you may never ever fully be able to answer them, might kind of spark the brain to get ready to move into that next phase of the interpretation, right? So you're you're kind of priming your mind, asking all these questions and reading through it and reading it out loud, getting ready for that interpretive part of the process. 
which really now with that, you're beginning to start trying to answer some of those questions. And, and I've got, like I said, an example that I use with Matthew 28 in that video that I hope will help people kind of understand that better. Um, but the thing I love about the interpretation pieces is that you can take a, a small portion of text, whatever you're looking at, and you've read through that a couple of times, you, you've written down all these questions that you've got. All right, now you're starting to go back and you're asking the question of, all right, so what is it that this passage is trying to say, right? What is scripture trying to say here? And answering those questions begins to start the process of helping us understand what is the passage trying to say? It's not what I think it's trying to say. What is the passage itself trying to say to us? So you begin to start to answer some of those questions. But what I love about this piece here too, is that now you've got an opportunity. And I jokingly kind of said, I picked Matthew 28 and I read the last few verses. And so you had nothing after it, right? Except for the next book. But let's say you were in the middle of Matthew somewhere and you're reading a passage on something. Now with the interpretation part, you start to look a little before that passage and a little bit after. So you can understand, all right, what's going on around what I'm reading is what's happening either before or after something that's going to help inform me, maybe answer some of those questions that leads into the interpretation in terms of what is it that scripture is really trying to say. And then the last piece, which I think most people want to get into is now that application piece, right? So what am I going to do with this, right? So I've read the text. I've asked the questions. I've left a few unanswered. I answered a few over here. I think I know what the text is trying to say. Maybe to its original hearers, all right, well, what's it trying to say to me? What's it trying to say to you? How am I now supposed to live differently? So if Jesus is instructing his disciples to go and do something, all right, my guess is if Jesus said to his disciples, now go and make disciples of all the nations, all right, well, maybe Jesus is asking me to do the same thing. Or if Jesus is saying, you know, don't do something, well, then maybe Jesus is saying for me, all right, don't go do whatever that is, right? So the application part really becomes the real personal piece of it is, So now how do I live into what I've just read? How do I live into what it is that scripture is saying? And how is that now going to transform me so that I understand what it means for me to live more like Jesus or love more like Jesus or serve more like Jesus or whatever it is. So we become that image bearer of God, right? We become more Christ-like in terms of what we're doing. And that's where we begin to start to see some of that transformation that God does in and through us uh, by the power of his Holy Spirit. Wow, that's, um, that's is simple. I love the, the three steps that you said, you know, observation, interpretation, uh, application, and, and the, the curiosity that it takes to like, like you're saying, ask questions and ponder yeah. and look before and look after and then the the what's it what's it to me today lord what's this look like um all of a sudden it goes from feeling like something that is old and i don't know how the what was happening in this situation here to something very relevant in my life today um and and creates that curiosity well um and I and I really appreciated the key, the keeping it simple and not feeling like you have to have twenty five books out to help you with the the Bible study that we can um, 
rely on the Holy Spirit to reveal those things that we need to hear this particular day. Um, and I will say, just because you mentioned your video on the 419 website, it's one of our most popular videos. Uh, just uh, if those for those who haven't watched it, you should go there and listen to Jason. He does a great job of just, again, reinforcing this. You can play it with your group. You can send it to those that you're discipling and let them watch it. But it's a wonderful resource out there for us. Jason, what excites you about Bible study and seeing it work maybe even in your groups that you've been in? Yeah. Um and so a couple of things. One, I, I love that you use that word curiosity uh, because I think there is a a fun playfulness with that, right, as we approach Scripture. And I don't mean that in, in a negative way. I mean, you know, in a fun way that we can ap- approach Scripture with this curiosity of um, what is it that God has for me today or, or what is it that God's trying to say to me today? How can I glean something again in tune with the Holy Spirit, how can I glean how God wants me to live? And so I think first and foremost for me, I, I, I do think the curiosity thing is is certainly one of those. But, you know, I'll say that um, for me, I think the biggest thing really does come down to how is it that I think God's calling me to live differently today than I was yesterday, right? And 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 I was one of those who years ago, I mean, I grew up with the old model of Sunday school and not that there's anything wrong with that, but you'd sit around in the circle and the person would read the, the scripture and they would kind of tell you the story and you never really had an opportunity to kind of explore that on your own, to be curious um, about the text. And I got to the point where, you know, reading the Bible every day, I don't want to say that it was a chore, but it was like, I just don't know if I'm getting anything out of it. And um, and then just through some several experiences and different experiences in my life and 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 being pulled into a discipleship group uh, early on when I first got on staff here at Mount Pisgah, this renewed enthusiasm for studying scripture and, and someone challenging me one time, you know, to say, well, what is it that you think God's trying to say to you through that particular passage? And so I always approach my devotional time, personal worship time today as I read through and say, all right, well, what is it that God's trying to say to me today? How is God calling me to live differently for him today? Or what is it that God might want me to know about who he is, right? And and, and how this relationship between God and I works and, and, and what that looks like. Um, and, and so I love that piece, I think, the most is... Um, just picking up a passage wherever it may be or however it is, it's, you know, you, whatever your, your personal worship may look like. Um, but to dig through a passage and then to say today, all right, Lord, as I get ready to dive into this, what do you want to st- What do you want to have stand out to me today? Help your, help me with your Holy spirit, again, kind of guiding me to say, here's what I want you to hear from this passage today, Jason, in terms of how it applies to your life, how I want you to live differently as a husband or a father or a disciple maker, or a pastor, or a friend, or whatever it is. Um, and so I think that's the biggest thing for me is this this kind of playful spiritual curiosity that says, what's God got in store for me today, right? <laughs> yeah, that's that's wonderful, because that is even coming with a expectancy, right? Like, you know yeah. that... I always love the image that, that that we've been sleeping all night and we get up in the morning ready to read our Bible and God's been waiting for us, right? And and we're coming expectantly to His Word 
to yeah. receive something, like you said, to know him more or to live differently because he revealed something to us specifically in this passage. Um, and that kind of even prayer before you begin is so, like, it gets our heart ready to really receive his word yeah. in such a way, right, that it is uh, it's personal and it's powerful and it's uh, encouraging. And that gets me excited just hearing you talk about that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, God he desires to be in relationship with us, right? And he just wants us in his presence. And man, what a great way to be in his presence and in, in diving into to scripture and then just being fully present with God. Yes, yes. That daily personal worship, such an important part mm-hmm. of our walk in transformation and transformation and relationship with our Father. So, Jason, as we come uh, to a close of our time together, this has been so good. Do you have any, like, words of wisdom for our leaders, specifically if they're, you know, helping others learn how to use the Bible or using it within their group? Yeah, you know, I, I think that, at least for me, like, when I've— gone through and done not quite an inductive style but but similar uh with with different groups or with with other people whether it be in a discipling group or some other type of group is i think the one thing for me that that i would would say for leaders is you know as you're going through and you're reading a particular passage again god's going to kind of come and speak into the context of where you are in that day and he's going to you're going to hear something or you're going to pull something out that maybe someone else doesn't hear. Not that what you heard was better than what they heard or vice versa. But again, it's, it's how God meets us right where we are in, in the season that we're in. And I find that at least in groups like that, as, as people read through scripture, they dig into scripture and, and things start to get pulled out. I'm always fascinated what other people catch that I might miss and again, it's not that it's bad that, oh, I missed something that I should have caught. No, it's God spoke to them in a different way that drew something out for them that I necessarily didn't hear. But it's like, oh, my gosh, that is, that is fact. I can't believe that you caught that. I can't believe you heard that. Whoa, man. Now that that helps, you know, kind of influence me or inspire me that God's speaking to, like, if you got, you know, four or five guys together and you're reading one passage, we're probably going to get four or five different things that God's going to say to us. And we have an opportunity to grow and to learn with one another as we work through different uh, passages together. And it goes back to what I said before, that, that God's fully present with us right where we are, even though we might be a group kind of all, all huddled together. You know what I'm saying? Does that, does that make, I hope that makes sense. If it made, made any sense at all, I hope it did. <laughs> it did. And I can, I can, uh, share that excitement with you because I've seen it happen uh, where, like you said, someone notices something else in the passage or they point out a word like therefore, or, yeah. and then all of a sudden you're like looking and, and, and really looking at it again and, and even more is revealed. And so uh, studying the Bible individually is, is beautiful and powerful. And then studying with others has a whole nother set of insights and delights for us that we may not have gotten on our own. So that's good encouragement. That's good wisdom for us to uh, hold that before others and listen with them and see see what happens when we, I mean, it, that's the mysterious thing about this is you gather a group of people with their Bibles weekly to talk about what the Word says and something beautiful really happens within each of the members of that group. And so... Uh, <laughs> Amen. A great way for us to, to, and also I think we gain insight uh, from other people as well as they as they pull things out of scripture that we might not have heard we learn a little bit about each other as well too and maybe how god's ministering to a particular need that they might have 
that maybe we weren't aware of before. And someone says something like, oh, I didn't realize that, you know, they were going through that or that had happened or, or that that was an experience that they had. And it, it just, I think it awakens us to one another, but certainly also awakens us to being fully present with God individually, but as a group as well. Yes, yes. So power, so much power in that. Well, Jason, thank you. This has just been a joy and a pleasure to be uh, with you today and to be reminded of the wonderful tool that we have. We get to hold on a daily basis God's Word and read it and chew on it and really learn from it. And so, Thank you for your wisdom. We're really glad to have you with us. Um, For all those listeners out there, please go to the website, 419disciplemakers.org. That video I mentioned is there. You can search for it under videos. You can put it in the search. Uh, It's called Inductive Study. It has Jason Zimke. It will bless you. It will bless others in your groups, and uh, the Lord will be glorified through it all. So thank you, Jason. Thank you for being with us today. Until we're together next time, God bless you each of you. For more information, check out our website, 419disciplemakers.org.